Hold on. Hold on. Hold on a minute. You're on mute. Can you hear me now? Yeah. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Jeff Brazier Only Human, my open and honest podcast, where we can talk and ask questions about what's working in our lives and what we're finding difficult. As a trained life coach, I believe a straight talking conversation is vital to our future happiness, mental health and positivity. So this podcast is all about doing exactly that, saying out loud what we're finding difficult and sharing advice and tips on the things that are helping. Removing the expectations we put on ourselves and taking every day, just one step at a time. So we're doing today's podcast differently. We're not choosing a theme. I haven't asked you, you know, about one particular subject and how you feel about that. What we've got is a mailbox full of emails. So thank you very much for those. And these have accumulated over the last um, nine or so weeks. Um, so, you know, I don't want you to just send something in and, and not be heard or or not be answered to. So um, this one's going to be all about you and all about where you are, what you're finding difficult. It follows no particular subject. It's just general advice and perspective. And um, I hope to be able to answer every question fully. Obviously, in the absence of being able to, to do that each time, I'll at least have asked you a very good question that will challenge your perspective on your particular situation. Um, I always aim to do my best and uh, I can't wait to start answering some of your questions. So here we go. So today's first question, Jeff, is from Joe. I have incredible imposter syndrome. I'm a seamstress. I also want to design and share my passion for sewing, including like movie outfit recreations and my own designs with the wider world. I'm sick of hearing, just do it, from people around me when I ask for advice. If it were that easy to put yourself out there, trust me, I would have done it by now. Joe, uh, thank you very much for the, the message. And um, yeah, it's something that I can definitely identify with. Um, I've had that for, for a long time myself personally. I, I think the label of being an imposter um, is probably unhealthy to begin with. So the first thing I'd say to you is, is drop that. Um, it's an easy way of kind of explaining and describing obviously what we do to limit ourselves from um, opportunity it's also to stop ourselves and block ourselves from doing something that effectively we might fail at that that's you know the crux of it a lot of the time it's um, we can find lots of weird and wonderful ways to restrict ourselves from doing something that's risky you know that you've got some exceptional talent and you, you sound like you're really enthusiastic about it. And that in itself should be enough for us to go in into whatever it is that, that we'd like to do with an open mind and just knowing that it's okay if it doesn't turn out the way that we want it to. Most of us will avoid something that we want to do and we keep telling everyone, this is what I want to do. But that's only as far as we get. And, and the reason for that is because that's only as far as we take it. What is that block in front of you? What is that wall? You know, what's it made of? Who put it there? How high is it? Actually, when you look around the side, is it, you know, does it go on infinitely? Or, you know, is this something that you can just walk around, which is very often the case? Whatever that block is in front of us, did you put it there? Or actually, is there a really good reason why you as a seamstress can't go into the, the movie outfits and the things that you really want to put yourself out there and do? You know, it's, if we broke it down into really tiny steps, we'd be like, right, what would be the first thing that you would need to do? 
and uh, you'd probably tell me that you'd need to create a, a specific costume. And then what you would do is um, send a, a picture of it or actually send it to, to someone that you know might be in a position to to offer you more work doing the same. So when you think about well, what is the real limitation that you're dealing with, it can only really come from within unless you're rubbish at what you do. And you wouldn't probably send the message to me, would you? Um, have me read it out on a podcast if you didn't believe that you were good enough. You know, imposter syndrome comes from sometimes our childhood and it might be that we was never really sort of given the encouragement uh, that might have given us that sort of adequate level of self-belief. But maybe we've got to develop that for ourselves. It's definitely the case for, for me. And I think, you know, the case for a lot of people, we grew up at a time when we didn't want to give our kids a big head. So um, what we did is we kept it real and sort of kept their feet on the ground not given the encouragement that they might have they might have benefited from. But anyway, you're an adult now, so you have to decide, do I want to hold myself back throughout the rest of my career, stroke life, or actually do I want to overcome it? And if you do, I think you thinking about the block and actually whether it's self-imposed is, is really important. I also think breaking it down into real small steps. So don't worry about anything other than creating a piece, which you might have already done, um, that you would want to present to someone to say, this is the best that I can do. Then after that, you are going to put yourself in a position where you are open to being judged. I think that if we're going to do anything, um, certainly for me in my industry, I think for most in, in, in whatever they do, I think judgment is a big part of it. Our work has to be measured. It has to be scrutinized. Otherwise, they won't know whether to use us or not. So, you know, have you been let down in the past? Have you been rejected? Because that's it, isn't it? Rejection is is probably a massive word in this. And that's, you know, that's that's something that we, we will avoid for a lifetime if it really hurts that first time round. But isn't rejection a massive part of your industry? If you want to succeed, then you're going to have to be very comfortable with uncomfortable stuff like, like rejection and judgment. Welcome judgment and welcome criticism and welcome rejection knowing that it's not rejection of you as a person we have to differentiate really that this is just it's someone saying no to a particular and specific item that you have produced who's to say and I would then go back to that person if that's the answer you receive and say you know what can I produce uh, that would be maybe of more interest from that you will then be able to use that response as a means to adjust what it is that you do professionally. Go and welcome as much feedback um, from people that you're presenting to as possible. So that's usually where it's at for people when it comes to not putting themselves out there and, and doing something. It's because it's safer in our comfort zone. So we stay in it even though we tell everybody that we're gonna come out of it. Yeah, just do it is good advice from others, but there's a little bit more specific advice from me. And um, yeah, let me know if that helps. This next message has been sent in by Daryl. I'm on a bit of a mission of sorts to try to normalise stopping, taking a break, recognising when you need to unplug for the sake of your well-being and having the freedom and the will to do it. I think we have a really toxic relationship with this. For some reason, we feel a huge amount of pressure and we put a huge amount of pressure on each other to keep going, keep striving, keep moving forward when actually the best thing for us is to stop and unplug. Uh, you are speaking for so many with that, and that is absolutely a conversation that Kate and I are having on a regular basis. She works in PR 
and I've never seen her at times as stressed as she is. Like, how can the workload be as much as it is when you're not even at work, uh, you're not even in the office, um, but it seems to have gone the opposite direction. So I completely empathise with anyone who's feeling the strain. Um, I just want to make you aware of something called the Pomodoro technique, which is, I think, Italian for tomato, actually. Uh, It's because of one of those timers that were shaped as a tomato that people used to have in the 70s or 80s. Um, And anyway, so work for 25 minutes and then give yourself five minutes off. Like you can look it up. It's a a really straightforward framework and uh, to apply to your, your, your working day. But no boss will begrudge you having five minutes in every 30 in order to just get up, shake it off, make a cup of tea, walk around the garden, walk up the road and just change state. You can get too stuck in what you're doing and you become unresourceful. You're not quite as efficient as a result. So, um, so yeah, absolutely. There's just an idea of how you can think of a way to break things up and insist that you must get up. Otherwise, it's not sustainable and you won't be as productive. So it's within your, your work's best interest that you do have a way of giving yourself regular breaks so that you don't feel too stale in, in what you're doing and why you're doing it. We're a community, so if you have any advice or solutions, let me know and I'll share in a future episode. The email is jeff at onlyhumanpod.com. This question is actually more of a suggestion from Alison. And her suggestion is words is a future subject. She said it's something that we've touched on in the past in a previous podcast, but she'd like to hear more. In particular, the negative connotation associated with certain words. Her example she gives is loss. She said that none of us like to lose anything. So are we not just making things difficult for ourselves, for example, when we say we want to lose weight? Should we not use alternative words like, I want to shed some weight? Mm. Well, when you say shed, I think of my garden. And, uh, and I need to concentrate on this podcast because my garden is my absolute pride and joy at the minute. It's very much a work in progress. But look, you've got me talking about it already. Um, words, because that's the power of them, is that um, a specific word can take you somewhere somewhere bad. We're actually, you know, an alternative word can take us to somewhere far better and more productive. And there are a lot of situations where we use words to to restrict ourselves actually purposefully. It might be subconscious, but... You know, if you use quite negative language towards yourself, then then that's that's you self-regulating. That's you lowering your sense of what you can achieve. And a lot of us do it. I've really focused on self-kindness over the years and got to a point where, yeah, I, I use words very, very well when it comes to uh, reflecting on on who I am, what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, what kind of person I am. Uh, and I think it makes life a lot a lot easier to do so. Um, but I understand that, you know, people get caught in a trap and I would have done in the past of using certain phrases and terminology towards certain things that we either want to attract in our life or don't. We have key drivers. So there, there are words that we use when it comes to making sure that we actually act. And usually that's I must or I need you know, when it comes to encouraging ourselves or motivating ourselves to do something, we might say, I should, or I'll try. And it's so vague, uh, but it's actually purposefully vague. So if you use those phrases, see, or try, um, or might, if you use them, 
you know, and you was say someone in a shop, and I said, you know, can you do this to me? And you said, well, I'll tr- I'll try. I know straight away that you're not going to do it. So if if you recognise that that's language and phrases that you use quite a lot, then then you can uh, you can do something about that straight away and make make those vague terms into uh, more definite terms. Like I will. I think it'd be funny if someone in a shop was there over a counter saying. Yes, Jeff, I must help you. I'd be like, right, that's keen. Uh, but ultimately, you can see the determination and the, the definite nature of that language. And, and it will be like, right, yeah, I believe you. <laughs> you are. You're definitely going to do it. So think about your language. There's some really basic ones. And, um, you know, it does get a lot more involved than that. Yeah, words is a subject that, that could easily be an episode of its own. Um, because we use probably about, what would you say, a couple of thousand of them every day. So, of course, they're going to play a massive part in our experience of life. This question is from Jacqueline. How do you let go of something you know is doing your emotional well-being harm? A lifetime of just hanging on. Yeah, letting go of anything is an interesting concept. I've witnessed many, many people who are holding on to something. I think that in itself is very, very common. We've all got something, by the way. I think sometimes it's because we haven't learned how to let go, but we're quite willing to let go of it. Um, Sometimes, actually, are we holding on to it? Um, Because it serves a purpose. And, And at first you think, why would I? It hurts me. It's bad for me. But actually, there's a lot of us that are scared to let go of things because we don't know what lies the other side of that action. Um, And that that is actually scarier than the reality that we've got holding on to the baggage, as it were. So to ask yourself, you know, what what do I get from this? Am I scared of the future? Am I scared of um, what it feels like to not be holding on to it? It is a bit scary to to feel like I'm going to change and I'm a bit change adverse. Then then maybe that's your first thing for you to tackle and be aware of. And then in terms of making any changes that you need to, it might be a big change and it might sort of represent a a mountain in front of you, if you like. But um, what we should always do is just scale that right back and just reframe what it is that we need to do in the very first instance and worry about one step at a time using that analogy. What is my first step to actually letting that go and just evaluate how much of that thing we need to expose ourselves to. It might be a person, it might be a job, it could be a number of things you don't need to tell me. In fact, I don't think you have. In order for us to actually take some accountability is really important as well. You have the power to readjust that relationship I think to assert some boundaries in the absence maybe of where boundaries needed to be and haven't been, um, then is that first step actually reclaiming a, a sense of this is where I am and this is where you need to be and this is what I'll accept and this is what I won't. Um, those things are always difficult to state for some people. Um, we like to please a lot of us. Um, and it's also hard for the other person to hear. So you, you can imagine that that would sometimes create a little bit of discomfort. But ultimately, in order to go from where you are, where you know that you are exposing yourself to something that is very, very bad for you, um, there is going to need to be some discomfort. So there needs to also be an acceptance of the fact that change will be uncomfortable. But are you committed to it? Imagine yourself in 12 months time and how you would like to feel. And what your relationship with that harmful element of your life 
now looks like? Is it completely gone? Is it that it's restricted and limited? Is it that you have now taken up the control that you always had, but possibly always gave away? Um, so that will give you um, a target. That will give you a goal. That's what you're aiming for. You know, and you want to make that picture as bright and as positive as you can. Set that goal. Understand what your intentions are. Accept that there's discomfort that's going to be required. Know what your next steps are. And don't worry about what comes next week or the week after that. Just concentrate on what are steps one, two, and three. And then when you're on number three, what are steps four, five, and six? Just break it down into small bite-sized chunks. And good luck with whatever it is that you're looking to change in your life. This is from Chloe. She's looking to study and retrain. And she says, The obstacles that I face are that I find the passion and energy to be lost when I study in a structured environment. Looking at a textbook or any environment where I find myself behind a desk. I also wonder, would anyone ever take what I have to say seriously? Do you have any advice on where to start when it comes to studying and retraining? Chloe, I, I had to reread your question a few times just because I, I kind of have picked up on the, the fact that there's a, a, a small contradiction, if you like, in that there's two things. There's the studying element and there's obviously the fact that you accrue knowledge through study, which would then be used to further your career. But what you're doubting is is possibly not your ability to study, but actually the, the, the worthwhile nature of what it is that you would be spending your time doing because of a, a limiting belief and because of the fact that people wouldn't take you seriously. Now, I, I don't know why anybody wouldn't take someone seriously with a qualification. And if it's the qualification that they're looking for, then obviously you're doing them a favour as much as they are doing you by employing you. Um, but this is obviously nothing to do with study, is it? This is this is about your your belief in yourself. Um, this is about you know you as a person and, and feeling like you know am I good enough? When did you start questioning whether you was good enough? Have you ever felt good enough? Who was you not good enough for? You know, someone with a lot of belief can study something and have no greater intelligence or qualification than you, but they might find it easier to get a job just simply because. They're not questioning themselves as to whether they're good enough or not. They go into that interview and they will state categorically, I'm the right person for this job. It's really interesting. Like, I've seen this in, in all walks of life, whether we're talking about the football industry or the media industry, entertainment, that kind of thing. But do you know what? It's not the most talented people or the most qualified people. A lot of the time, it's the people that believe in themselves the most that are actually able to create and keep um, finding opportunity. So, you know, there's really something in that for you here in that um, you could probably study anything for any length of time and get any qualification. Yet, if you're almost um, embarrassed to go to a company and say, this is my qualification, is it good enough? Then that's always going to hold you back. And you need to be able to validate yourself ultimately and validate the fact that if you put in that much hard work and effort, that you are effectively good enough. You know, it sounds like maybe you need somebody external to say, yeah, you're absolutely good enough before your confidence grows a little bit. But it's kind of like the wrong way round. I always think that the external validation should be the cherry on the cake. What part of you is good enough and in what ways are you good enough? Look, just speaking broadly, and anyone would really tell you this, but if you put the time and effort in and if you've got a qualification, 
that qualification is effectively saying in small print on the bottom, by the way, you're good enough to go and do a job in this area now because you put in the time and the effort. This is from Sue. She says, I've lived alone for 30 years and although I'm okay with my own company, this last year has been really hard for people in my situation. I'm retired having worked for a large company for over three decades. In that time, I lost my sister, father and mother and I haven't dealt with grief very well and thrown myself into my job, which I don't think was a good idea. This pandemic situation has made me feel really vulnerable, isolated and lonely. And it lends itself easily to feeling sorry for myself. I find that I've become withdrawn and negative about life. I'm determined to turn this around. What you say? I'm, I'm really sorry that you're experiencing this now, but I'm not surprised. Uh, the reason that I say that is because in lockdown, um, what we've had to do and been forced to do is spend a lot more time alone with our thoughts. And... As you've said, you work for a big company for 30 years, you've distracted yourself to a T and it's meant that you've probably got a lot of unresolved things that you hadn't dealt with and you hadn't even thought about uh, until all of a sudden you was forced to. So a lot of us have had this experience. Not a lot of us know actually or, or relate the two and think, well, actually, yeah, of course I've had a lot more time to to sit and think. And also a lot of us um, don't really understand too much about the subconscious and how that works. But if you imagine that 5% of our cognitive self is, is above the surface, that's the tip of the iceberg, and that 95% of us, the subconscious element, is what's beneath the surface. Your subconscious basically knows that this is a really good time now to start making sure that Sue acknowledges and recognises some of the things that she needs to deal with. Um, so, you know, that happened to me when I um, when I got engaged because all of a sudden I felt more settled than I'd ever been in my whole entire life. And as a result, that's when my subconscious started saying to me, right, mate, it's, start, it's time for you to start this reparenting process uh, and start understanding how your childhood is playing out in your adult life. It happened for me a few years ago, and it's happened to a lot of people in lockdown. Obviously, it's happened to you. So these feelings that you're experiencing are not necessarily relative to how you feel today. They they will be in part, but a lot of them would just be echoes of things that you were too busy to feel over the last 30 years. So you've almost been hit with a wave, um, you know, a, a collection, if you like, of the lot of them. So bear with that. You know, it's backdated emotion effectively so all you need to do is is just accept that that's how you feel and accept that you'll have days where you feel loneliness and you feel vulnerable and isolated as you've said in your message um and ultimately that's the i think the 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 outcome isn't it of of everything that you've distracted yourself from so what do you do from here anyway sue so two things Be kind to yourself in terms of, you know, you're not failing by having these feelings. All you're doing is is actually it's like the box has opened and everything's coming out and you just need to learn to sit with it, learn to accept the, the low feeling and almost just kind of let it go out and disperse. You can really help that process by speaking to someone on a regular basis. So again, I'm not telling you to go and have therapy. I'm telling you that it really worked for me. And in terms of allowing everything to come out for us to move into a new phase of our life and a new phase of understanding as to who we are and what we want. Who am I if it wasn't for all of these experiences and years of of denying myself uh, the recognition of 
what was really bubbling away under the surface. Um, you know, this is exciting, really. I, I've found it to be um, a, a difficult process, but a really gratifying one in terms of becoming the best version of yourself. Um, and if you do and are able to go and speak to somebody about about how you feel and about what you're going through and let them create a space for you and hold everything that you're saying and, you know, let these things come out without judgment and uh, without criticism, then then actually, you know, that's the way for you to shed the effects of yesteryear and uh, move into this new version of you. Because we can't carry on holding these things that we're now aware of. Your subconscious has started throwing it up. It's like a pulley system from the depths. That's the way the therapist always describes it to me. So acknowledging the feelings that you're going through, acknowledging the fact that grief um, will always catch up, as you've just found, um, even though you had found a way to just sweep it elsewhere. Don't judge yourself for having done that because lots of people do that. But the truth is we never really get away with it. It will always catch up with us when we stop being as busy and distracted. And that's what the lockdown has done to and for a lot of us. Um, so you know, I always recommend speaking to someone about this build up and what you are um, expressing at the moment and it's a lot to carry on your own and don't feel like it's a burden that you can't share obviously you've reached out here today and I'm really grateful that you have I'm also very proud of you for doing that as well um, but talking to someone talking to a professional uh, is is absolutely something that will help you to just um, create a space um, you know of non-judgment and criticism to be able to just express it continue to express these emotions we don't know how long you're going to be expressing these emotions for um, but you know find some support don't do it on your own uh, but you know I think the key element to my message to you is to understand that it is completely normal um, that you would be feeling what you're feeling after the series of lockdowns that we've had simply because you've had the time and the space to be able to digest things and for, for things to start presenting themselves as, you know, echoes from the past. When I started this podcast, I really was keen to create a, a sense of community. And of course, going from, you know, having no emails to all of a sudden being inundated, um, you know, shows that there is an element of trust in me. And I just want to tell everybody how grateful I am for that. That means a lot. I think a lot of the, the messages that were sent to me have, have really been difficult probably for people to write, let alone to, to live through and, and to share them. Um, you know, speaks a lot for the fact that you're obviously someone who is looking to find solutions. So I want you to know that that's the first step and the most difficult step. So thank you for reaching out. All the messages that we've uh, answered today, um, there's been a range of different topics and themes, but I think if we were to group them together, it would be to do with creating happiness, earning the right to feel better um, and to, to make improvements. And again, that was the very essence of what I wanted this podcast to be about. So thank you. Emma and I have separated uh, what we feel like is a is a lot of really good questions that are probably under the umbrella of relationships and family. So um, that will be next week's podcast. And I really look forward to answering those questions. Um, yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed it. Um, obviously, we can't always um, answer everything as meticulously as we would like to. Many of the questions make me feel like I wish you were sat in front of me. Advice is not something that I do in coaching as a practice, but in this day and age, and certainly for the purposes of a podcast where 
you know, it might be really helpful to say something that really resonates with someone, or it might be uh, that you listen to something that gives you an idea as to how you might change something. It can be the catalyst for the, you know, the beginning of a new you. And so that's why I'm comfortable giving advice in this setting. Uh, But I understand also that it doesn't always go the full way to completely fixing something. But I think sometimes the beauty of this and certainly what I wanted for this podcast is that you know that you have been heard and you have been recognized and you've been validated in whatever your situation is and whatever the, the feelings are that come to you as a result of whatever it is that you're enduring. So thank you, everyone. And I look forward to seeing you again next week. A podcast can only go so far. So if you've been affected by any of the issues we've discussed in this series, do please seek professional help or go to absoluteradio.co.uk forward slash time to listen for details of some amazing organisations we work with who can help.